when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired, and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question, our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt. Uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. Cousin Shane, he's out. He's a little bit under the weather, so we're going to our go-to guy, Cousin Joe, out in Hawaii. What you up to, Cousin Joe? <laughs> What's up? I hope Shane's not too sick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that seems to be going around, so yeah, he told me he's going to be back on. We're going to have another episode at the tail end of the week, so uh, nobody get too concerned. Cousin Shane will be back on his feet before long, but uh, we didn't want to go the whole week without giving you guys the latest around the SEC. Oh, you all right there, Cousin Joe? Yeah, I'm drinking again. (laughs) Well, before we go around the league, I wanted to make this note because, hell, you know, we don't talk a lot of the coronavirus on this show just because obviously we don't, we're damn clueless when it comes to that subject. So uh, let's kick it over to SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who was recently on the Dan Patrick Show, was asked about the topic. And uh, I just really thought it was very interesting the fact that uh, the SEC is so prepared. And here Greg Sankey said for as many as almost 20 different scenarios. So let's kick it over to Greg Sankey. Was this planned or this was expected that you would have these kids test positive? Well, it was prepared for it. The okay. goal was never to expect zero. That's just not reality yeah. around us. It yeah. is to been a, it, it, the plan was test when they arrive. We had positive tests when people came back. And we have embedded medical professionals in our athletics program. That's part of what I think gets missed is the level of care provided for young people on our campuses on a daily basis. And then there was preparation for the what ifs. And so those hypotheticals that I have avoided answering are very much a part of planning. What do we do if a bunch of people go to a party where someone tests positive? You're going to be in quarantine. What do we do if there's a positive test? What do we do when they come back? How many people can be allowed in a facility? What is the spacing? What is the expectation when you walk in and leave? What is the continuing reinforcement? about the education provided that, well, you made it through one week, doesn't make you make, doesn't mean you'll make it through two unless you take care of yourselves. And uh, there are no guarantees. You can go back to March where we all thought we were playing basketball tournaments in March Madness would happen and we made assumptions and we have fewer assumptions made and that's why we have to prepare for a whole set of contingencies. 
Uh, we talked about it last time, and uh, I, if you can give me an update, will the SEC maybe just have conference games? I'm, like, the, is the game plan to have just conference games, or is it a full slate? We've we've gone through. I think we're just short of twenty uh, scenarios. Um, the the plan, the focus is to prepare to play a schedule, and then to to pivot off of that. And there are any number of options that could allow an entire schedule to be played, both conference and non-conference. But everybody in this country has to be a part of that at the collegiate level. That's just a little bit more complex than, say, the NFL putting its schedule out or delaying, because all of those things are controlled by a central entity. So I think we'll keep that focus, but we'll plan for contingencies that could be you know, probably anything you read about from a speculative standpoint. Maybe just uh, Alabama and LSU play 12 times. How's that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I can take one of those a year. I assure you, <laughs> one of those a year. <laughs> Imagine the stress level in my life varies. Right now, it's an odd summer of stress, but I don't know about one of those every week. All right, Joe. So, like I said, I thought nobody has all the answers, but the SEC is working extremely hard to keep the players and the staff members and the coaches and everybody as safe as possible. But I really just wanted to share this with the listeners because I thought it was fascinating that the SEC has so many different options. Like I said, nobody knows how this is all going to play out, whether we hope and pray the season is just going to go normally and everybody's going to be fine. Uh, but we, at least the SEC is uh, preparing itself for just about any situation that could arise. 20 different scenarios. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. And, uh, I really hope it isn't Alabama and LSU 20 times or 13 times. <laughs> uh, but at this point, I'd even I'd be all right with Arkansas Vanderbilt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we just need football. You know what I mean? And of course, you know, know. It, can't, it can't come at the expense of anyone's health. Or I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, but you know, hell, we do it a damn SEC podcast year round. It just you know because we love talking about it. We we just love doing this people listening because they love sec football and it just it's like it's in our dna you know and, it, and it's not just us it's not and it's not just the listeners it's the entire sec a lot of fans around the nation i uh, just mean so so much and after such a horrible horrible year i mean it would <laughs> know, be the right? cherry on top if we didn't get college football you know what i i just it makes me happy you know, I feel like with everything that's going on, it's all right to have a little bit of happy to pick it up, you know. I mean, what was it, Coach Doug's? Mm-hmm. He's playing NCAA 2014, and he had like 200,000 watchers, right. people viewing the good game. We need something. Everybody needs something to look at and have a little fun. Being a Tennessee fan, it's kind of sad, too, at least the last few years. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm optimistic this year. I think we're going to crush it. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd, I'm really expecting this season, you know, not just for Tennessee, but the entire SEC, I think we could be getting back to, you know, it's nothing against Alabama, but I just don't think that they're going to be this juggernaut of a team where it's Alabama and everybody else. I think they've kind of come down to the pack a little bit, not saying that Alabama can't continue to win the SEC, but I just think it's going to be a lot more competitive, and we're seeing that with the odds makers. I mean, I think there's half a dozen teams here that got 10 to one odds or better to win the SEC. And I think you could talk yourself realistically into any of those teams. If, you know, a player emerges here 
or maybe they you know answer some questions going into the season. I mean, it's just going to be a hell of a year, and uh, it would just be a damn shame if it got taken away from us. Yeah, I agree. All right, so enough of that downer talk, though. Right. <laughs> you ready to go around the league? Yeah. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should um, you know play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, so uh, some exciting times, like I said. I do apologize if I sound kind of down, but, uh, you know, it's been a rough week for news around the SEC, but, you know, there's plenty of good news, too, and here's some. The Elite 11 quarterback offseason competition is continuing to roll on, and that's obviously good news for the upcoming season and everything going, uh, that these camps are still going on, and these these young athletes are able to participate, and the Elite 11 has announced the final rosters for uh, the upcoming the the finals competition, which is going to be held, I believe, the second week in July. It's going to be held in Nashville this year. But the reason I really wanted to bring this up, we've got uh, of the, I believe there's 21 finalists in total, but we got several guys here committed to the SEC. So just wanted to uh, rattle off these names here. Of course, LSU commit Garrett Nussmeyer. He's one of the finalists. Auburn commit Demetrius Davis. He's on the list. Tennessee commit Caden Salter from Texas. He's on the list. Georgia, Athens native Brock Vandergriff. He's on the list. Florida commit Carlos Del Rio made the list. Missouri commit Tyler Macon made the list. And then one other, this is an interesting one. Florida baseball commit Jay Allen also made the list. So technically Florida's got two quarterbacks committed at the elite 11 finals jay allen does not have a football scholarship does have a baseball scholarship there and he's committed to play baseball for the gators so this seems to be a situation where allen is probably trying to he doesn't have any power five offers at this point or anything but hell maybe he's trying to catch dan mullen's eye but you know this is a kid that uh, could potentially win some football scholarships at an event like this but i just wanted sec fans to be aware of all these arms here going to be at the Elite 11 final because we've seen it in recent years that the SEC, you know, it's not the old school, just defense and, and running game. They've really opened things up and it looks like the future of the SEC is in good hands with all these uh, signal callers playing at the uh, Elite 11 finals. Is there anywhere you can go to like watch some of this? Yeah, actually, that's that's a good question. It is free to attend. Now, obviously, I don't know how open it's going to be this year, but I I have uh, seen on the website it is free to attend, and they they welcome people to come. Now, you, obviously, you can't talk to the kids or anything like that, but you can watch them compete. And this is also typically televised by I think ESPN. So if you can't make it to Nashville, you can watch these guys compete. 
on TV and online and all that. And it really is like a good ramp up for, uh, you know, there's not any football during the summer. So it's always kind of cool to see the next generation of quarterbacks, you know, all the elite SEC quarterbacks and quarterbacks around the nation in recent years have, have played in this thing. So it's always kind of cool to see, you know, the next generation that's coming up. That's pretty exciting. If I was you, I'd walk down to the end of your street and you'd probably be there. You go check this out. <laughs> That's how desperate I am for some football. Yeah, I might just have to do it. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll get an interview here or something for the podcast. So uh, that's something that will definitely be coming here in the weeks to come. Awesome. All right, so next on the list, let's jump on down to Starkville, Mississippi. All right, so this is a topic that we kind of steered away from, just for obvious reasons. We don't want to get political at all on this show, if possible. This is SEC football show. God knows there's plenty of outlets out there that can give you all the political talk out there, and we got nothing against if that's what you're into either. We just That's just not our thing, and we, this is a topic that uh, I didn't think we were going to have to discuss, but uh, we all know. In the state of Mississippi right now, they're going through a lot of people calling for change to the state flag. And the reason we bring this up, you know, really thought we had to talk about this because Mississippi State senior running back Kylan Hill, a guy that uh, many people think is the best returning running back in the SEC, says, you know, he's not going to represent state anymore if they don't change this flag. So, I mean, that's kind of a fascinating turn of events down there in the state of Mississippi, and that's certainly going to be something to monitor moving forward. We've seen Mike Leach kind of come out and uh, issue his support for Kylan Hill, but uh, not really in an adamant type of way. He's not issued any videos or anything like that, and uh, both the presidents and the ADs there at Mississippi State and Ole Miss are also calling for change to the state flag. So, you know, this is certainly going to be a situation to monitor moving forward. And I just think it's, uh, you know, I really hope that Kylan Hill plays. I hope that uh, they get this situation resolved so to where everyone's happy down there. But it's just unfortunate. It doesn't seem like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how, how you get that done. I support what you said. I'm scared to say anything about it. So I'm not going to. <laughs> All right, well, sticking in the state of Mississippi. How about this news? This is pretty exciting where Eli Manning is having his jersey retired. The number 10 jersey will, it's actually worn right now by a couple of players, including our man John Rice Plumley. So here's the deal with that. Any player currently wearing the jersey, whenever they retire one, they're allowed to keep it for the remainder of their career. So they may change it out of respect to Eli Manning or they can keep it. But uh, no new players moving forward in Oxford will ever wear the number 10 jersey. And, of course, there's only been two jerseys ever retired by Ole Miss. Archie Manning, of course, number 18, and Chucky Mullins, number 38. So we're adding number 10 to the list here. And how about this? Eli Manning was with his father, Archie, on Father's Day when they got the news. So let's kick it over to uh, Eli and Archie Manning talking about Eli Manning getting his jersey retired. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine right now, but you know, just just think about uh, the, the great years I had at Ole Miss and, and just the teammates, and really I think you know the success we had. Uh, you know, owes, owes so much credit to coaches and Coach Cutcliffe and uh, all the wonderful teammates and receivers and offensive line that, that uh, were able to uh, work hard and, and have some success here. So it'll be special 
um, you know, seeing the number grow up there next to my dad's and, and you know, Chucky Mullins. And, and so to, uh, uh, it'll be a, a, a day that uh, I'll be looking forward to. On behalf of our entire family, we're all excited about this because we can go way back and remember how excited we all were when Eli decided to come to Ole Miss. And then those were, well, five years he was up here. So five just wonderful years for us to be back more. And for them to, um, they had a Coach Cutcliffe and all that coaching staff and all the all his teammates. They had a good run. Uh, uh, climax didn't get to Atlanta, but uh, climax with a pretty good trip to Dallas for the um, Cotton Bowl and ended ended the right way. So we're uh, we're very proud of Eli's career up here and, and very indebted uh, to Keith and the athletic department, everybody responsible for re retiring uh, number ten. It's really really special. All right, so that was pretty cool, didn't you think, cousin Joe? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. How amazing is it for both of them to have their jerseys retired? From the same place. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe the speed limit on campus there is 18 out of respect to Archie <laughs> Manning. So I hope they don't that's move it amazing. down to 10. You know what I mean? That would be a little bit too slow. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my understanding. But a uh, really cool moment here. And, of course, I've already seen people kind of speculate. We all know the name Arch Manning already. Rising it's, – it's incredible that I'm even saying this, but a rising sophomore in high school – it's already the most coveted quarterback in the 2023 recruiting class. I've seen some people suggest, well, hell, they're trying to get on Arch's good side, but I don't really think this is going to push it over the edge or anything. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. But it and, is and it is a show of respect. He sounds like Bill Clinton. <laughs> when Arch you had a talk, I thought you sent me an audio clip of Bill Clinton. I was like, what is this? What are you doing? Sorry. I mean, he's the. this is the first family of uh, Ole Miss, so – yeah, you might be onto something there, but you know, just a, just a really good honor there for the Manning family. And uh, hell, who knows the the tradition of the Manning family probably not over there at Ole Miss, of course. Hell, I've seen uh, LSU people; they're fired up. They think they're going to land Arch Manning. So who knows? Like I said, I think it's wild that uh, we got media members and and fans getting fired up about uh, what young Arch Manning is already thinking, but. There's a long, long way to go in his recruitment. But, um, again, I just think this is really cool. They're, hell, like I said, there's only three players ever had their numbers retired by Ole Miss, and now Eli Manning's joining that list. And they are going to be doing that, I should have mentioned this before, during the Auburn game, which is third game of the year, Saturday, September 19th. So that's something for Ole Miss fans to look forward to. That's amazing. All right, jumping down to Athens real quick. Where uh, not a ton of news here, but I thought this was really noteworthy for a couple of reasons. Uh, IMG Academy running back four-star Lovasier Carroll. I hope I didn't butcher that name too bad. He has announced that uh, this is the state of recruiting we're in nowadays, where he's been committed to Georgia for a long time, but he had to announce a statement that yes, he had been looking at Florida, but no, he's. He's going to stick with his commitment there to the Bulldogs, not going to be flipping. That's just where we are, the state of recruiting, where these committed kids got to announce statements that they're still committed. But, you know, great news for uh, Kirby Smart's program. Obviously, they're, in my opinion, running back you now in the SEC. So we got yet another elite running back headed to Athens. And it's that's kind of a double whammy because here you got Dan Mullins' Florida program. Didn't sign a running back last year. 
does not have a running back committed this year. And now one of the best players in that state says no to the Gators and their depth chart that's more than open for him to kind of come in there and make a name for himself sticking with the division rival. But uh, how big of a blow is this to the Gators? And how how big is this for Georgia? Uh, I'd say it's a bigger hit to Florida at the moment just because they haven't had, like you said, they haven't had a running back in quite a while, and they're definitely going to need that. Uh, it kind of comes to Dan Mullen's recruiting question mark, like when he first came down. Right. But all these commits, they're not 100% until they sign. You know, by the sounds of it, it's like he's saying he's a vegetarian that likes looking at bacon. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like come on, man. If you're a vegetarian, why are you looking over there? Get away from that. <laughs> but I did see this is this is going to piss Florida fans off even more. We're going to get to some good news for the Gators in just a second, but. Uh, there was a report, I believe, from Sports Illustrated. It was, uh, you know, just just a recruiting update here from a running back who's not even in the 2021 class. He's in the 2022 class. And he said that the Gators running back coach was selling him on the fact that the Gators didn't sign anyone at the running back position in the last recruiting cycle, may not sign anyone this one. So it was basically like, Hell, we ain't signed a running back in three classes. Come be the guy, you know. So it's like, yeah. Because oh if not, we're gonna have to figure something out. <laughs> that should not be your pitch right now if you're the Gators. But uh, hell, I guess whatever you can do to get, you know, some success on the recruiting trail. And there was some great news for the Gators on the recruiting trail. So let's jump on down to Gainesville. Like I teased there for a minute. They did have some success. It's not all bad news for the Gators, not piling on you, because they flipped Kamar Wilcoxon from Tennessee. He makes his third commitment to the Florida Gators. Apparently there was a little bit of an issue there he had with Dan Mullen, and that's been squashed. So uh, Kamar Wilcoxon, I know this one hurts your cousin Joe, our resident Tennessee homer here, but Kamar Wilcoxon, third commitment to the Gators. Does this one stick? Oh, they say the third time's the charm. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you this, though, because he was teasing. I mean, hell, this happened on Friday. And I think on Wednesday he was teasing like some kind of big something was happening for Tennessee on July 4th. So I don't even know how committed he is. He deleted his commitment post. (laughs) Would would you even want Tennessee to pursue this guy or are you you done with him? I'd stay away from that one. What is Shane always says? Just making room. <laughs> <laughs> We're just cleaning house, making room for another one. It's like, I don't know. It sounds really dramatic to me, you know. It's like with someone's that wishy-washy. I mean, that is a huge decision to make in life. But you see the direction that it's going. Uh, transfers are eventually going to be not an issue. So you're going to have the opportunity to move schools if you do make the, a bad decision or the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's as big of a decision as it historically has been, but it's still a really big issue. You don't want to make it the wrong mistake, but going back and forth like that, oh, that screams drama. Ain't nobody likes drama in the locker room. Right. Yeah. I think Tennessee, you know, unless they believe this kid is, you know, number one corner in the nation or something, I think he kind of just let him go. But at the same time, you don't burn that bridge because kind of like your reference, it appears like in the future they're going to allow these transfers to, you know, not even have to sit out a year. So, hell, you may even be getting them down the road. But 
vice versa. If you flip him back from Florida, he's been so willing to commit to the program there in Gainesville. Hell, he may transfer back after spending a little time with you. So it certainly seems like his heart's in Gainesville, and I don't think you can knock him for that. You know, he's from Georgia, but he's ending his high school career in Florida, so he's going to have to he'll, – he'll stay in-state, so to speak. And Florida's got an outstanding program and a great track record of developing defensive backs. So it, it's really a win-win for him as well. He said many times Florida is his dream school – he even referenced that when he committed to Tennessee. I don't even – I don't know why – I don't know why you commit to somewhere else if Florida's your dream school. But uh, I, I'm kind of glad that it that it worked out for him because it seemed like even while he was committed to Tennessee there for a little while, he still wanted to be a Gator. And um, that's where he should be if that's where he wants to be, you know? Right. I agree. All right. So – Oh, is that Chad Morris? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Let's jump on down to uh, Columbia, Missouri real quick. Where M-I-Z! Uh, the offseason uh, you know, turnover on offense here continues. And, you know, the Tigers, they're, they're kind of hurting at the receiver position. That was part of the reason why Eli Drinkwitz is the new head coach because Missouri's offense was so bad last year under Derek Dooley. And the Tigers have added – I never even heard of this school. I got to be honest with you till till this, but Angelo State receiver Kiki Chisholm, and this uh, this guy was all conference last year. He was the Angelo State leading receiver the last two years. We've had uh, I can't recall. I wish I knew the name, but a former Missouri player who's now a coach at the Division II level faced this kid. Said he's an outstanding uh, talent. He's got nearly 2,000 receiving yards and a total of 12 touchdowns the last two years. He's eligible immediately for Missouri. So that's kind of big. You know, it's not like he's going to tear up the SEC here, but if he's your, you know, number three, number four receiver next year, it's still, it's a hell of a pickup this late in the cycle. So it's good news for Missouri, who they've already gotten another transfer receiver this year, um, Damon Hazelton, I believe his name is from Virginia Tech. So, um, and like uh, the same same deal as transferring down to Division Two, and you're eligible immediately. The same thing if you transfer up from Division Two. So, like I said, he's eligible immediately. And you know, if you're a Missouri fan, you got to be fired up that uh, Eli Drinkowitz continues to land, win these recruiting battles, and and hell, in addition to that, they've landed about three or four high school commits this week too so Drinkowitz seems to have it rolling right now yeah I think it might be something that you and Shane hit on last week about him actually getting out there in media and showing his personality a little bit more but I think this is definitely a good pickup I can't help but think every time I think of Angelo's Uncle Brad be like what's going down Angelo (laughs) 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 I was like I'm not old enough to drink yet and he's like oh one day (laughs) and he's I was thinking about Black Patty. (laughs) (laughs) And I think this also kind of speaks to the fact that, uh, you know, given all this damn time these coaches have had to, you know, not work with their players, sit around this offseason, I think this also kind of signals the fact that uh, Coach Drinkowitz probably studying his roster. Now, I'm not – it's not an indictment on the entire roster, but he's probably looked at his receivers and kind of trying to figure out – how many of them can do what he wants them to do. And I think this kind of speaks to the fact that maybe they don't quite have the depth that he wants at that position. So it's pretty unusual to be adding a Division II player to your roster in the middle of the summer. But 
hell, it, it's better to have this guy than not. So I think it's another good pickup here. I think so too. But that makes me think, how much? How many trick plays do you think Gus Malzahn's going to have this year? <laughs> well, like all the free time that these coaches have had. And like, what was it, Jimbo Fisher? They always talk about how his playbooks are like 6,000 pages long. <laughs> like, how many plays are these guys drawing up? I'm excited to see it. I'm going to see some new evolution in the sport, I think, this year. That's interesting because I bet a lot of these coaches, too, you know, they're talking shop, they're designing plays, like you said, they're studying LSU and how effective that thing was. I think that's part of the reason why uh, Joe Brady's influence on that offense was so big because he was bringing, you know, St. Louis, or excuse me, uh, New Orleans Saints schemes to the LSU Tigers, and the SEC just wasn't ready for it. So how many other offenses are we going to see add in those wrinkles this year to just try to implement what LSU did last year? You know what? Right. And did you hear that rumor they're talking about putting headsets in the helmets? Yeah, so that that is interesting. I, I think that was just NFL, but, hell, that it'll probably filter down to college football as well. But what uh, Cousin Joe's talking about there – is, uh, you know, obviously in the NFL, the quarterback has a mic in his headset so he can communicate with the coaching staff. They're talking about doing that for all the players so we can eliminate huddles and, you know, the, the players can communicate with the coaching staff. And I really think that's a brilliant idea given, um, well, you can't really socially distance on the football field, but you can avoid huddles, which is why they're thinking about doing this. And, uh, certainly in the SEC, I think that uh, you know there's going to be an additional cost to doing it, but they got the money, believe me. And if you if you tell them we're trying to do everything impossible in, in to keep these players safe, they're probably going to let them you know spend as much money as they got to to help the players ensure that their safety is is the chief concern and not you know blocking that by NCA rules or anything. You know what? Yeah, we should probably play two hand touch too. <laughs> <laughs> no i think the headsets and the helmets man that'd be a game changer it would change the entire dynamics of football yeah like, i think so I too know. and that no, may be I... something that uh hell if it works well they may just keep it you know oh yeah absolutely it'd make it more explosive for sure it'd be hard to defend like you got a box coach sitting there and he knows your your defense better than the players <laughs> know the defense anyway all right, last uh, school to hit on here real quick. Let's jump on down to Lexington. Where this week, linebacker Xavier Peters, former high school All-American, is left the Kentucky program. Now, of course, he, I believe he's from Ohio, signed with Florida State out of high school, uh, picked the Seminoles over Kentucky, and then things didn't work out at Florida State. And now, after, I think, two years in Lexington, he's off the program. And the main reason I wanted to bring this up, because I wanted to make this point, you know, you never want to lose someone in the in the offseason. It's going to hurt your depth to a degree. But I think it says a ton about Mark Stoops' program that they are losing a former high school All-American, borderline five-star kid. And I don't think it really hurts their depth or their defense at all next year. Basically, I think if this kid was like a starter or something like that or an elite player, he'd still be on the team. But he just never was a factor there at Kentucky. And I don't know. I mean, 
we sing Mark Stoops and Kentucky's praise all the time, and I think this is just the latest example that they have, they have made that leap in the SEC. They're no longer you know the team at the bottom of the list here. They're kicking to the road former All Americans because they ain't buying in. So uh, I I just think that's a, this is just the latest example of Mark Stoops giving a guy plenty of opportunities, but it just didn't work out. And I don't even think it's going to hurt the team at all. And I can't imagine saying that about Kentucky a couple years ago. Yeah. Xavier who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I was reading an article about that too. And it just sounded like there's a lot of uh, stuff off the field. And that was his problem more than anything. But I am excited with you that Kentucky's some, like a program that we can actually uh, has a lot more respect. Like people talk about it with pride a little bit more now. I remember I had a, there was a guy in high school that went to Kentucky to be a wide receiver. And I was like, why didn't you go to Carson Newman, man? <laughs> I was like, why would you go there, man? It's like a horrible choice. But back then it was, yeah, Kentucky was not really good at all. But, no, I love that they're turning it around. It's fun to watch them. I like watching Stoops. Like, it doesn't matter what you throw at him. He always seems to have it. Like, last year, no quarterback. And they still won like way more games than anybody anticipated on winning. I'm excited to see what they can do with a quarterback this year. All right, so that's all we got on this episode. Like I said, Cousin Shane, he's scheduled to be back here on the uh, next episode. And uh, before we hop off here, just want to make that reminder to you guys, we really do appreciate each and every one of our uh, five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We'll send you a free beer koozie on us for doing that each and every listener has that opportunity and we got the shirts they're selling now uh, reach out to us uh, at that sec podcast at gmail.com if that's something that interests you but uh, i think that's going to do it for this one you got anything it sounds like you're you're in the the jungle there with the with the parrots or something yeah uh, you got any anything else before you hop off here because are, are the parrots come are the birds coming for you no there's a t-rex outside i haven't been moving for about 20 minutes now <laughs> <laughs> you know Jurassic park was filmed it wasn't on this island but it was on Kauai right next door that place is beautiful but no i appreciate everybody and this is fun thanks for letting me get on here and make fun of shane a little bit and yeah just hope everybody stays safe and healthy and Yeah, wash your hands, dirty bastards. All right, thanks for joining me, Cousin Joe. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.